Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you, Ewan. Thank you, church. Uh, how's that sounding, Julie? Got my mic on here. Um, yes, I would like to dedicate this talk to my brother Gordon, who just passed away on Friday there. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about him. And I did get offered, by the way, not to preach today, but I stubbornly held on um, because it'll be therapy for me, if not for anybody else, but um, uh, we'll see how it goes anyway. So thank you very much. Just to start us off uh, this morning, I just got a little trailer. Uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 are uh, the scriptures that we're focusing on this morning. So here's a little trailer just to uh, focus our minds on that. It's in the message. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He has for you and quickly respond to it. Thank you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, one of the most preached about scriptures throughout history, I'm sure. Are we good to tape? We're recording, good to go. I'm hoping this is a, something I can give to my mum as a little testimony about Gordon and some few words I'd like to say to her. So this becomes a bit self-indulgent, forgive me, but I hope that everybody in who's um, had some bereavement, and some bereavements are so much harder, difficult and to understand than others. And in this case, we do see God's hand and God's favor and God's timing in what's happened, as will be made clear. So, I hope this ministers to you. It'll minister to me, I'm sure. So, the title of my talk this morning is Name the Hour. We've had Name the Year at the beginning of the year. We've had Name the Day as well, all intended to help us think about God's promises, take hold of them for ourselves and apply them in our lives. Name the Year, Sally, my wife, named the year wisdom, and, we took, and I took hold of that, and I'm believing for to be even a little bit wiser by the end of the year, if possible, and to make wiser decisions. That would be good. I wonder what some of you named the year as well. I hope that's true. Jesus, of course, named the year. When he started his ministry, he declared, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we are still in that year. We are in the year of the Lord's favor, and God sits above time, not subject to time. This is the year of the Lord's favor, and it will not end till Jesus returns. 
So with that in mind, it's great to think about the promises that we can take hold of within that for the year. And Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 6, says as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, in the year of the Lord's favor, he might have said, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And every day, today, tomorrow, is the day of salvation for mankind. It is available and offered by Jesus Christ, the day of salvation. But you can name your days within that as well. I've had days of mercy, days of forgiveness, days of just please help me, oh God, get through this day. And I hope you can think about naming a day based on a promise and help us move forward. So, we're taking it another step. Name the hour. Name the hour. I'm going to introduce you to my brother again. Here's Gordon coming up. Next slide. Bless him. I was taken just a few, two or three weeks ago, I think, not long ago. There's Gordon. Um, seven years older than me. He was suffered from oxygen starvation at birth and had learning difficulties all his life. Diagnosed autistic as well, later in his years actually. Um, he found life difficult. Uh, and it's only recently I've looked back on how mom and dad dealt with that and just think, my goodness, they are amazing parents. And um, there's Gordon, he, uh, he liked watches. So it's good to think of this, name the hour. He look, towards the end, unfortunately, got confused between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. His dream for a few years had been to save up for one of the most expensive watches he could afford. Every week he saved 20 pounds, and he was saving up till his 60th birthday um, coming up in 2017. And he had this dream of buying a Tag Heuer watch. But a few weeks ago, just six, seven weeks ago, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And mom knew, and we got clear indication that his time was limited. And um, ultimately, his hours ran out just on Friday there. We knew it was coming, but it was quick at the end. But the mom, bless her, took this little dream Gordon had, knowing he was never going to get to 60, said, let's go and buy the best watch we can, Gordon. How about that? And he went in and um, found a dream watch, a Longines. And I've quickly grabbed it. Because <laughs> it's my inheritance, it's my legacy, my memory, my hope of Gordon. Beautiful watch, more expensive than I've ever worn in my life, or uh, lately too. Um, and he was very proud of it, wasn't he, Hannah? Love it. So he loved his watch. So it's appropriate when we're thinking about time, what we can do with it, how we can make the most of it, like Gordon's uh, in my thoughts. How many hours, can I ask you, have we got in a week? Not enough. <laughs> Amen. 168 fizz. Is that right? I think it is. 168 weeks. 168 days. 168 hours. Oh. Come on, Alan. You can get it. 168 hours in a week. So, how many hours of worship 
within the 168 that we've all got. Quick calculation in your heads. How many does it take to make you really spiritual? Do you think worshiping? How many hours? How many hours do you think you spend worshiping a week? Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> Amen. I'm not going to put hands up. I don't think there's ever been a statistical survey to find out how many hours it is that moves us over to the line of being a really good worshiper and not so good. 168 hours in a week. Maybe it's, maybe you could get to 10. No, I won't ask, will I? No, I won't. Ask yourself, maybe it's just a half hour on a Sunday and actually you were late so you missed it this week. That can happen, can't it? Maybe it's every day. Many of you, I know, come before the Lord every day in, in praise and worship. 168 hours in the week. And this morning I want to suggest whole life worship. Whole life worship. How many hours would it take to have whole life worship? You were reading my notes, Fizz, weren't you? You're sitting behind me, you're reading my notes. 168. Every single hour of every single week of every single day is an opportunity to worship. And I'm going to show you how. Right. Come on. Next slide. The hour has come. Take your minds to the, the well at Cana, the meeting of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Absolutely incredible moment. And the recording of it is so helpful for us to understand this. John 4, verses 22, 21 to 24. I'll read it to you. Jesus said to her throughout the conversation, they came to this moment. They've been discussing where you should worship, on what mountain, and how. They were talking about worship beside a well with water. And Jesus in the conversation says, Women, believe me, the hour, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. I didn't read that right, did I? Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither, my cut and pasting is failing miserably on this, worship on this mountain. Anybody oh. got a, a, a Bible with it written properly so we can help me out? You worship what you do not know, he goes on to say. We know that we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And that's the main part of that scripture I want to get to today. For the Father is speaking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Have I managed to make some sense of that? Are you with me? Yeah, great, thank you. We want to be worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. Jesus changed the world in these moments. The truth of the gospel that he was going to present, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
was heralding a completely new kind of worship. Up to that point, it had been about where, which mountain, which temple, which place, how sacrifices should be made so that you could come into the presence of God. And God was, Jesus was saying something completely different about how you could come in to the presence of God. And he was heralding a completely new kind of worship that's available for all people everywhere, no longer just a chosen few, but all nations everywhere could become worshipers and could come to worship, and not just the special ones and the special people, but every single person through Jesus Christ is invited to draw near to God. This is the gospel that Jesus lived and died and was raised to give us. And he promised the Spirit would come and fill us and that we would not just be for the, the heroes of the faith, the Gideons, the Barracks, the Moses, the heroes of faith who were empowered by the Spirit, but that Spirit would be made available to all people everywhere, young and old. This is the truth of the gospel and the power of the Spirit and how we worship in spirit and in truth. And Jesus was able to explain this first to this little woman at the well. Whole life worship in every community, out of the temple, out of the church on the Sunday morning, into your Mondays, into your Tuesdays, into your Wednesdays, into your houses, into your workplaces, into your schools. This is where worship has been released for us, that we can, in every moment, at every time, at every hour, we look at the clock, we can see this is an hour where I can express worship to God by who I am and what I'm doing. Wonderful, 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 incredible truth that Jesus allows for us and heralded for us. How do we become worshipers in spirit and truth? Not just by praying, playing the right music by any means, but recognizing that our whole life is an opportunity to express worship to God. Okay, next slide. See how this one goes. Paul in Romans really helps us understand more about this and makes sense of it for us, I think. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Up to this moment, Romans is laying out the truth of the gospel to worship in spirit and truth. And throughout Romans, we, he, he helps us understand what it is to have the gospel and believe it by faith. Many scriptures you'll recognize, it, it, Paul described it in, in, in Romans 1, the power that brings, the power of God that brings salvation for everyone who believes. That is the gospel. That is the truth. In Romans 3.23, he explains, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So many of us know that one too well. We think about it so much. All have sinned. All are just poor sinners. But it goes on to say, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Jesus Christ. Amazing truths of this gospel. Amazing hope that we have through Jesus Christ. 
And throughout Romans 1 to 11, he talks about it. And then he says, therefore, Romans 12, therefore, in light of this truth, in light of this gospel, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Praise the Lord. This is our true and proper worship. And there's so much to look at in this, these scriptures. Worth emphasizing, it's very physical, isn't it? Offer your bodies, not just your inner space, not just your inner mind, not just your, what you're thinking about, not just about your intention. I want to do the right thing. I thought about doing this. I would like to do that. You know, I've often said to myself, well, my heart's okay, you know. I maybe don't do the right thing all the time, and I really wanted to be kind, but, you know, I, you know, I didn't quite manage it. I was too busy. But Paul is getting this. He says, this is about your body. You're actually physical body doing something. It is about action. It's about movement. It's about response. It's not just about intention, but it's about application. It's about action. True worship in spirit and truth is about presenting your bodies no longer like the dead animals, but because of the ultimate sacrifice once and for all of Jesus on the cross, we now can present a living sacrifices of our body like Seth banging the drum so beautifully, so powerfully, an act of worship. There's a do not, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And again, we have to be different. We have to be set apart to be worshippers. We need to be not conformed to how the world places its values, places its importance, what culture says we should be and do. This is why we can have brothers and sisters in Africa so different, so far away, but we share so much. We're connected with you, and we, when we meet you, when we, meet, when we share meals and share our homes, we can share worship, we can sh share so much with all nations all over the world that joins us together, yet so possibly culturally different. We're joined by this. It's not just about changing your behavior. It's not just about outward, it's about your body, but if it, 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 it's not just about pretending. It's not just about putting on an act. It's just not about being seen to come to church. It's not just about being, it's not about counting out the number of hours you're in prayer or how well you can memorize scripture. If it's just about the outward things, then we've lost it because although the body is absolutely crucial. Paul is saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what you're thinking about will trigger what you act about. 
that what we're feeling as important, what our values, our inner core, our absolute inner being has got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can become people who worship in spirit and in truth. It goes right deep down. We cannot fake worship. We cannot fake life. Christians should be the most sincere, the most um, people of integrity, of honesty, of transparency. That's the challenge. And then it says, be, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So understanding that an idea, a thought, a decision, a dream, a vision that happens in advance of what we do is, is how the rhythm of things work. That it must be about our values. Wouldn't it be good? How many of you feel right in the middle of God's will right now? You know exactly what God's will is for your life. I'm asking you really hard questions today, I'm sorry. Well, so often we do agonize over, am I in the right place, doing the right job with the right person? But the hope is and the promise is that when we are transformed by the renewing of our minds, we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. It shouldn't be such a mystery. And I think part of the answer is just recognizing that where you are right now, who you're with right now, what you're doing every day, just believe that that is God's place for you at this time. And how you respond in these circumstances, how you minister in your workplace, how you raise your kids, how you act towards your wife is your act true and proper worship. Wouldn't it be good to think, oh, actually, I'm in there right in the middle of God's will, right here, right now. That's God's promises for you today. And if there is many of you agonizing of what is God's will for my life, trust that he is leading you and he is sovereign. And he has brought you to this place through your, and through our flawed decision making. But we trust him and we move forward. It's a great hope and a great promise. If Romans 1 to 11 explains the truth of the gospel, Romans 12, 13, 14, 15 explains how to respond to it. The other side of the therefore, is it's an incredible book. Romans 13 to 15 talks about therefore, in view of this transformation, in view of the gospel, in view of the spirit, here's what you should do about your attitude to yourself. Romans 12, verse 9. Um, uh, Romans 12 goes on to talk about, um, do not consider yourself. Do consider yourself with sober judgment in accordance with your faith. Consider yourself with sober judgment. So it, it, it's good to think about who you are in light of your faith not to value self, low self-esteem. Many of us think putting ourselves down, and I do it myself, is, is of value to God. When it's not, it's really just decrying what God has done for us and what he's called us to be. Consider ourselves with sober judgment. Think about the gifts. It talks about the gifts. If you're a servant, serve. If you're a teacher, teach. So identify our gifts, what we're good at, what our strengths are. 
if you're to lead, lead diligently. If you're to express mercy, do it joyfully. How do we, our attitude to others? Love must be sincere. Be devoted to one another, verse 10. Practice hospitality, verse 13. Test us on hospitality. I hope every home that our guests were in over this weekend, you experienced good hospitality, that you were welcomed. This is what we should be like. Even says, bless your enemies. Pray for them. Romans 13, pay your taxes. Submit to authorities. Pay all your debts. Fulfill your debts. Accept the debt to love. Leave that one outstanding. Never finish that off. At work, it's helpful to look at Colossians 3, 22, 23. Talking about slavery, but better to apply to a workplace. Even when your masters are not watching, work with all your heart as if working for the Lord, not for human, human masters. So it's not just about not taking a sickie. It's not just about not taking the paper clips and fulfilling your overtime improperly. Every single hour, every single day you're at work, you can worship God if you're giving your best. We may not be the most skillful or the best in our workplaces, but we should always have the highest effort ratings. The highest, well, this guy tries. This guy, I believe. I, I, I was blessed. I got a new boss. He knew me a little bit from my various interactions. And he started to get to know me. And he says, you're different. What is it that's, you're different from a lot of the other people. What, what is it? What, how do you, what's your influence? How do you influence people? And, I was really encouraged by that. I don't know what he meant by different. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a positive. I'm just going to believe that. But we should be seen, whether you're in a classroom, whether you're in your home. We've always got the opportunity to be the best pupils not to make ourselves better than others, but to be a blessing to our teachers, to be encouraging and set an example to our pupils, and not to be goody two-shoes, but just to be honest, to, to be fun is good. It would be horrible if we were the most boring people on earth. Oh, who wants to be a Christian? We should be the most fun. We should be the most enthusiastic. We should be the most caring. We should be the most interested in others. My daughter, Hannah, was able to visit Gordon um, last week, not knowing it was so imminent. And I think he ended up spending about four hours speaking to his care. And then my mum and uncle came in and my brother. And when um, mum was speaking to one of the, the nurses, Hannah, afterwards, and she she said, your granddaughter is the most beautiful person I've ever seen, not just from the outside with all our hair, and Gordon liked all your hair, but from the inside, she's incredible. 
that was within an hour of being in somebody's presence. Hannah has a gift in that area, and not all of us will be able to have such an instant impact. But she uses her gift well. And that's what we're called to do, isn't it? We all have a gift, it says. Every single one of us has a gift. And we tend to diminish it or think others are better. I would love to have blonde hair, especially when I was a teenager. I really wanted big, long hair. <laughs> Dear rocker. You have to consider yourself with sober judgment. It's not an easy subject. Um, I want to encourage you today that it's doable. And, and next one, I've recognized as I've grown older, there's my mom, bless her heart, with Emerson, our newest arrival to the family, just a few weeks ago as well. And again, God's timing. 10 minutes after Gordon passed away, on Friday, Sarah and Dan, mum and dad of Emerson there, and brother Johan arrived at the hospital, not knowing that Gordon had passed. But mum again testified afterwards to me. Oh, it's just so nice seeing the new life coming in. And she went back to be with Gordon, who'd passed on, of course. But mom, from the day Gordon was born, I don't know how quickly they knew that he had difficulties, but it was always her dream that he would be okay when she passed on, because she expected that, like you do. She'll go first, she was 81 now. And all our uh, efforts and her efforts mostly were about making sure Gordon would be okay because Gordon's emotional dependency on mum is phenomenal. And mum had looked after him and cared through really tough circumstances, even as a kid. I remember difficult moments, difficult decisions, lack of understanding, not knowing what's going on. But when I look now at, back and think about what true and proper worship is, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. I know she, um, from cradle to grave, laid down her life for Gordon. Constantly, daily, Never managing to run out of patience. Kind. Never keeping a record of Gordon's wrongs and he had some tough days. Always protecting, always trusting, always loving, always persevering. 1 Corinthians 13. I've given my life to Jesus when I was 20 years old and um, thought that I'd found God. And for a f not too long, but a little while, thought I had something that my parents didn't left their church and it was a little 
It was a little difficult. They were very understanding. And I think, bless her heart, mum was the last to think she's a worshiper. That she encouraged me in my faith and somehow made me think, because that's what mums do, that I was doing well and I was doing great and um, that's been important to me. And what I realize now is that in terms of expressing our faith, our worship, our love, although I can lift my hands and sing to Jesus, what mum can do in terms of worship, what she's done over 58 years, is so much more. I'm not fit to tie her shoelaces, I think, John once said, and it feels like that. And I see my mum in a completely different light. So bless you, mum. You have exemplified what whole life worship is because you've given your whole life for Gordon. And she represents, of course, many other mothers that are sitting in this room right here, right now, raising kids, raising families, and encouraged by Isaac phoning from Australia saying they just honor their women so much. Every week they're doing their color, uh, their, uh, their uh, weekly women's days and they have to go dressed up smart and they made it quite clear that the heroes of their faith are their wives, their mothers, their children. And it's, and, it's, and it's beautiful and it's just right, isn't it? That the worship the sort of worship God, God wants, that Jesus died for, was the one where you're on a Monday morning with how many ever children to get ready. Or if you're a guy, still, you're not excluded, getting up, getting out to work on a cold, wet day, coming back, providing. God sees those moments of worship. And we don't recognize them as worship. The enemy wants to rob them on your and my understanding of what it means to be a whole life worshiper. But it's what you're doing if you can just begin to see it, if you can begin to think each hour, every hour, I can have an opportunity to be a blessing, to be obedient, to be faithful, to remember Jesus, to ask him in, to be filled with the Spirit in a little prayer. We don't need to be any particular place. We don't need to be any particular person. That's the gospel of faith. That's the gospel that Jesus died for. The one... This wonderful watch, nice watch, does not have a battery. Does not have a battery. It needs movement. It, they took it back to the shop after the first week because it kept stopping. Bless, bless, bless mom. They needed to, why has it stopped already? I only bought it two days ago. Do you know how much it cost? They said, oh, you need to keep it moving. You need to keep it on. It's, it, it's moved by activity and action. And if you leave it up on the shelf, it stops. And I think I'm just going to remember that. I had to wind it on today to get it to the right date. I'm on the first, Ewan. <laughs> but I had to get there with some action. You need to take some action, Ewan. You need to actually wind it on, mate. constant reminder that if you want to be a worshiper in spirit and truth, that is our hope, that is our destiny, like the kids said, our, we're heirs of this promise, heirs of the gospel. This is the hope that we have, that we are worshipers in spirit and truth, that we can come before God, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we can express that in our everyday normal lives.
It's where it should be expressed. The song, Now is the Time to Worship. It's when you finish church and you go out. That's when worship really starts. And there's a great rhythm. Even Romans chapters 1 to 11, and there's a little doxology, so-called, at the end of Romans 11, before it reaches Romans 12. It's a little song, a little word, just a little praise, and in light of the gospel, in light of our salvation, we should be expressing and going down on our knees or standing in celebration. We should be expressing our love in light of the gospel to God, pouring out our hearts with all our bodies as a living sacrifice, rejoicing and declaring his praises and worshiping Jesus as the center of our worship. But we've got to rise up. We've got to stand up and take our worship out and into our bodies and into our streets and into our homes. And that rhythm rose into Romans 13 to 15. Here's how you do it. Here's your activity. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you relate to yourself, to others. That rhythm is always there, always constant. How does it, just to finish, just about the last slide here. For us, that's my life, my example, my mom, my brother, who has inspired me, and that relationship has inspired me to be a constant worshiper. We've seen Red 59, we're talking about this, it's a fantastic vision. The blood of Jesus, here's my take on it anyway, the blood of Jesus. The red letters in your Bible if you have that version. 59, the number of minutes before the hour. Cometh the hour, cometh the man, and the testimony of Caleb, of Aaron's, Lindsay's son. 59 minutes alive. The promise that Strike the hour when Jesus returns, they will be together. And we believe that, and that inspiration also helps us, knowing that for many, for many men particularly, they reach their 59th minute, and they're not going to get to the hour. The, the challenge has come, the battle has come, and you can, it can come at any point, whatever age. You don't need to wait for your brother to die when you're 51, knowing that there's so many good things. Your challenge may have come when you're two, or you're three, or you're ten, your bereavement, your loss, your challenge, your rejection, and so many young men deciding they just can't get to 60. They just can't get through that time. And Aaron and Lindsay somehow got through that dark hour and went on. But many just hit 59 and, and can't get through that next moment. Can't get through whatever has made them bleed inwardly or outwardly. Red 59 is the way through. It's a vision that we can latch on to. I heard, I think I mentioned last time in Hannah's year actually at school, another, another young man committing suicide. Are you 30 yet? 29. 30 this year. Some... The choice is there. The highest killer of young men under 40. Suicide. Take their own life. They can't get through that hour. They can't get to the hour. They don't know how to. And we have the answer. We have the opportunity to recognize that if we can introduce them to Jesus, if we can fill them with the Holy Spirit, understand the truth of the gospel, and give them the power through the Holy Spirit, 
There is a hope. There is another way. And that's what, for me, Red 59 is all about. And Romans 3, 13, thank you. I didn't do well on my slides this week. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is our call. That is our destiny. And every single Christian should be warriors of light, bringing hope, bringing, yes, there's a 59, minute of 59. But if you can get through to high noon or midnight, there may be dark days and dark hours, but a light is coming, a hope is coming. Through Jesus Christ, there is always hope. We have to be the bearers of light in the dark places. We have to be the bearers of light in the dry places, the gray places, the dull places, the routine, the mundane, the everyday. Everyday places is where Jesus wants to inhabit. He wants to get into everyday lives and in everyday thinking, everyday... Live. I'll take that as a cue. That was my alarm clock going off. <laughs> we have a great hope. We've got a little time. I've got to just believe in the Holy Spirit to come. We need the Holy Spirit. If you want to know why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's so we can worship in spirit and in truth. So we can just get through each day, each hour, each moment. Each hour is important. Each hour of your life is important. Gordon's hours ran out. He couldn't, didn't have time to fulfill his dream. But he had a little one. And I'm going to remember this, that I've only got so much time left. It's running out. Jesus is coming back. Let's run this. This is a... Um, elevation song come to the altar so I'm asking you to come to the altar today yeah let it go I'll speak over it for a minute and I want you to bow your heads maybe you'll want to come to your knees I hope I've encouraged you to offer your bodies however flawed you may feel they are Andrew Perry to lead the way the first man always to the altar I want to invite you who, those of you who can to come forward just as an act just to act I know it may feel well I don't really feel inspired to do that but I want those of you if you've felt some stirring in your spirit just express it and I'm going to be right down there in a minute I just want to dedicate my life once again my whole life my whole body, my whole hours to Jesus again. I want to come to the altar. I want to come to the altar.
and just give Jesus my life in response to the truth of the gospel, in response to his love, in response to his hope. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. If you want to be filled and have a touch with the Holy Spirit, come down, come down, come to the altar. Not because this is a special place, but your action can be special. Your action can be significant and God sees the smallest walk, the smallest moment. Just turn it up Come with God. Just welcome your Holy Spirit. I ask you to pour out your Spirit on all these people in Jesus' name. We've got a few minutes of this song. Just cast yourselves upon the Lord. Turn it loud. Turn it loud. Was born with the precious blood. 